again, and welcome to this week's episode of Chatting with the Lightkeeper. I'm Edward, and lately I've been kind of doing a lot of kind of soul-searching, if you will. Maybe not soul-searching, that's not the right word, but just deep thoughts. Trying to think about what it would be like to be newer to the lifestyle in today's day and age, because obviously it's quite a bit different with the access that is out there for everything lifestyle. Easy to find, easy to access, easy to talk to other people about the lifestyle, much easier than it was uh, when I started exploring. So I have been doing some thinking on this, and I was watching a, a baseball game the other night, and in my fair city, or I should say, I guess the big city that's near my fair city, there is a um, accident attorney, otherwise known as in the not-so-pleasant words, ambulance chaser, who starts one of his many ads, which seem to come on in between every inning of the baseball game, um, with he starts with the joke, trust me, I'm a lawyer. And that joke, after hearing it for nine innings, somehow stuck with me, and it got my brain turning on trust and thinking about trust in the lifestyle. So much of the lifestyle, of course, is predicated on trust. We talk about trust all the time. Experienced kinksters or experienced people in the lifestyle will talk about trust, 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 and how trust builds intimacy and intimacy fosters trust, and, and intimacy and trust are linked. And without really thinking any more about it, no one seems to talk about if you're new to all of this, well, you think trust and intimacy. I have experience with that in the vanilla world. What's different? Well, with the lifestyle, it's sort of always like one of those late night infomercials. If you can't sleep and you turn your TV on at three in the morning and there's some crazy crackpot trying to sell you a pillow or a some sort of pots and pans combination, and they always end up with, but wait, there's more. And the lifestyle is in the definitely, but wait, there's more category. So I wanted to talk about trust and intimacy because, yes, well, if you're new, you do come to the lifestyle with, obviously, a, an understanding of what trust and intimacy are uh, because you have more than likely experienced it in your own life, but the lifestyle turns it up a notch. So just want to kind of go through what, perhaps what to expect in ways that may ratchet it up a little bit or be a little different than what people are used to. So to hopefully better prepare you to understand why trust and intimacy is so important in the lifestyle. Um, obviously, you can't do the lifestyle without trust because you have to trust whether it's a partner or whether it's just somebody you're playing with. There is so much that that can, can go wrong, as well as things can obviously go right, but there's so much that can go wrong, especially if you are um, interacting with somebody who you do not trust. It can lead to a whole host of issues from literally, potentially death, to having your trust or consent violated, which isn't fun either. But it's very, very dangerous to engage in any type of lifestyle activities with somebody you don't trust. And 
so because the lifestyle makes us very vulnerable, um, even if you're dumb, submissive, or switch, we all open ourselves up and become vulnerable through the lifestyle. And because it is so intense, that foundation of trust is so very important. So before we go any further, if you don't know, I have a little little web series that I do. It's the Daily DS, and it pops up every day on my, my Tumblr blog and over on Instagram. Um, and if you don't happen to follow either of those places or you miss them, hop on over to wherever you get your podcast and just search the Daily DS and then presented by Chatting with a Lightkeeper. I know it's a bit of a mouthful to type out, but they're now in podcast form and none of them are longer than 90 seconds. So they're very short, very quick. But every day it's a little question type thing. And recently I've been working through and still am working through like legends that are out there that people in the vanilla world often have about the lifestyle. And there are legends about trust in the lifestyle. Imagine that. So the first one is that there's a lack of consent. And this misconception comes from the fact that people in the vanilla world see DS and they see dominant and they see submissive. And somehow they're assuming that there's a lack of trust, that they're you know, everything isn't predicated on informed consent, negotiation, and there's boundaries. They just see somebody doing as they're told. And in that, in their way of looking at it, there is a lack of trust because one person is just, to their eyes, showing blind obedience, which is not the case, but it's a perception. And so that whole lack of trust because of that is a misconception that if you're new can be something that you do think that there might be somehow less trust in the lifestyle because of the way um, power exchange relationships can be structured. Another thing that goes to trust in the lifestyle with the vanilla legends and unfortunately there are people out there in the vanilla world who believe that if you play at BDSM or if you are involved in the lifestyle, that you have something wrong. You are, you are mentally ill. And if you are mentally ill, obviously you cannot give and receive trust because you have an illness. This comes from the fact that, yes, the lifestyle used to be considered a mental illness. The the grand poobah of tools for diagnosing mental illnesses is the DSM, and it used to call BDSM a mental illness. So there are still people out there who have that old information and do think of people involved in the lifestyle as having a mental illness. Another misconception is that everything in the lifestyle is dangerous. All the physical playthings that many of us enjoy in the lifestyle all do have dangers. And yes, it goes from the mild to extreme, depending on where you are and what you're into and what you like. But 
people who are vanilla see these risks that we do engage in, these risks we take consensually and as safely as we can, they see these risks as being signs that we don't trust, that somehow engaging in these dangerous, in their mind, these dangerous activities shows a lack of trust. Um, finally, this one's kind of wicked, but it's that the lifestyle is a violent, cruel place. And we can we can throw a lot of the blame on, on to the media for this and how it's perceived in the media. We did a did a podcast on it not too long ago, but you look at how the lifestyle is portrayed in in the media pretty much wherever you go, and you do not find a positive, uplifting, you know, where the media shows it as positive, uplifting, and all the good things, it is seen as a deviant bad, morally bad. I mean, even our, the movies that were popular, Fifty Shades, The Secretary, they really don't portray the lifestyle as it is and definitely not always in the most positive way. And then you throw in the typical places where it does get its highlights, which are what I like to call copumentaries, um, like Law & Order, CSI, NCIS, all those popular police shows, and it is also, it is not also, it is almost always shown as a deviant thing with some poor person who practices the lifestyle is dead or severely injured because they did something kinky. So the, that just kind of smashes that whole idea out there that the lifestyle is about trust because vanilla people don't see it. So sometimes people who are newer, while they hear trust, 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 and, you know, trust leads to intimacy and intimacy leads to trust, all that linked together, it doesn't jive with the um, the stereotypes and the misinformation that they're getting in the vanilla world about the lifestyle. So it's important to understand that coming into the lifestyle, people may have, while they hear trust, they may not have seen it, if you will. So the first real big step in building trust beyond what we do as normal everyday vanilla people is through communication and negotiation in the lifestyle. And to build trust, you have to have open and honest communication. And that can be hard in the lifestyle, especially if you're new, because sometimes being honest about a kink or a fetish or something we want to explore, try, see, do, it can be embarrassing to admit that we have an interest in this or that. So it's very important that we work on and continually work to get better at communicating, especially when it comes to expressing our desires, our boundaries, limits, and in those things which are are not perhaps easy to to share also it's also important that we have ongoing consent and renegotiation and when i say renegotiation i don't mean negotiating something in the middle of while you're playing with your partner don't negotiate then renegotiation would be for example after you have completed your playtime with your special someone or your your playmate and it's been you know 
an acceptable amount of time for everyone's jets to kind of cool off a bit. Then you can renegotiate what is acceptable and what isn't. For example, the play may have gone really, really well, and you found that it was very enjoyable and you want more of something that perhaps comes up against a boundary. So that's when you want to renegotiate that boundary for next time. So speaking of that, there's boundaries and limits. And it's something that, like the lifestyle, something I love is that you're always learning. And one of the the pieces that I have been learning as of late is many people who are newer to the lifestyle no longer talk about hard and soft limits. Those were terms that have been used for as long as I can remember. Hard limits, soft limits. Now, the terms that are becoming more and more popular, and I, I love them, are boundaries and limits. A boundary is what used to be known as a soft limit. A boundary is something that it's a line in the sand that cannot be crossed without explicit consent. Unless you say, yes, you can do this, that is not supposed to be crossed. It's a soft limit, meaning, yes, it may be negotiable in the future, but right now, today, it is a limit. We are not going to go there. We are not going to do it. It's a, it's a boundary. You cannot cross it. And boundaries, I like to kind of equate them to, say, the ocean. And the reason is um, the ocean comes in and it goes out, whether it be waves or tides. And if a relationship is going well, the ocean being the boundary may recede, revealing more beach to explore. Or if things are not going well, or just there's some uncomfort, the tide may come in, taking away beach, so there isn't as much to explore. It, the tide, of course, is all controlled by us, the individuals involved, not by the moon or the stars or, or you know, however the currents, all the things that combine to control tides around the world. But the the boundary is a limit that is not to be crossed without explicit conversation before play, before you go to that boundary line. You can't you can't be engaging in a little enjoyable activity and meet that boundary line and during play ask for permission to cross it. Once once the fun and games start, the um, the boundaries, the limits are already clearly defined and can't be redefined until after play is over for next time. So that's a boundary, and then there's a limit. And the limits used to be known, and still are by some, as hard limits. And that's a, mm -mm, uh, I think it's Taylor Swift that has the it's never ever going to happen thing when she's talking about getting back together with an ex. Um and a hard limit is a, it's never, ever, never going to happen. Nope, nope, nope. It is never going to happen. It, And these are all individual. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's something that is unsafe. It could be. Um, it just is something that 
anybody doesn't want to do. And it varies from person to person. Something that would be a hard limit for me might be, a, oh, hell yeah, to somebody else, I want to do that. And it all varies. So you need to have these open and honest discussions about where your boundaries are and what are your limits and, and know them. And of course, building trust with a partner, you know that your boundaries and limits are going to stay very, very safe. It's so important because you can't build trust if your boundaries are getting um, messed up or somebody is, you know, trying to even go farther into a, into a limit. And so it's very important to be able to talk clearly and explicitly when we negotiate and talk about our boundaries and limits. And once again, these could be topics that are not quite easy to discuss because, you know, it's sometimes we can, as humans, have trouble talking about our own desires, especially when it's related. And if you're new, it can be, you know, maybe a little embarrassing. You might blush, you might turn red, or you might struggle for the words. But we have to be clear and we have to be explicit so that we can have these well-defined to build the trust, which of course is going to help build the intimacy. So there are strategies out there which help us set and also respect our boundaries and limits. Of course, you're, I think everyone out there is going to guess the first one is, is communication, being able to talk about it, being able to say, here's, here's my, you know, here's my state line. I, you, this is a boundary. You can't cross that unless I give you permission to cross into my state. And over here, these are my limits. These are never, ever going to happen. And if you need some, you know, if one of these limits is a must-have for you, we are not compatible. And those are hard conversations to have because sometimes you can meet somebody amazing and they have a must-have that's in your limit area and you're just like, mm -mm, this isn't going to happen because of that. So these aren't easy things, but we have to be able to communicate openly and honestly about them. The next thing is, is that we negotiate in this lifestyle. It is not all dominant says and submissive does. It's a negotiation. It really is. It's especially, not necessarily even with boundaries, but everything is negotiated. Um, perhaps it is pushing a boundary with a submissive dominance. We are natural, for lack of a better word, pushers. We like to push our submissives to be their best. And sometimes when it comes to play, we like to, to push and, and approach the boundary. So we need to be negotiating, talking about it, and making sure that we're, as a dominant, we're pushing. It's approved. We have the okay to go there and push that, push the envelope here, but not over here. It's, it's a continuous conversation and that conversation is really a negotiation. Um, and just because somebody is submissive or a switch who's perhaps identifying as a submissive with that partner, it's still a negotiation. They have the power to say no. And simply because they don't feel like it. They don't have to have a grand excuse other than no, that's not my cup of tea today. And that's what's important about negotiation. Every, just because somebody consented to something in the past doesn't mean they're consenting to it again today. It's That's why it's a continuous, ongoing negotiation conversation. And that's where consent has to be continuous in this lifestyle. Just, you know, there's no, there's no assuming that because you did this last week that you can do it today. In long-term relationships... 
the continuous consent discussions obviously do change because there's trust, there's intimacy, and there's you have those conversations that yes, this, this, and this are acceptable anytime. But you know, of course, as long as as long as you know the the person doesn't say, hey, nope, not today. But consent is always a continuous, a continuous moving target, really. So that's very important to, to building trust in this lifestyle. Another is understanding safe words and safe signals, which I know sounds like it should be a no-brainer. And it's just amazing, though, how many how many people, when they are new, struggle with using their safe word or signal? And, and going forward, I'm just going to say safe word. And so when you hear that, understand that I also mean signal. A safe signal, if you don't know, is the equivalent of saying your safe word. Um, safe words typically have, um, people have a yellow and a red light, um, very much like a stoplight. You know, if they're doing great, it's the green light. And if during play something is happening that they're a little uncomfortable with, they can use a word or a gesture. That would be the signal that signifies, hey, that's a yellow light, meaning proceed with caution. You're you're coming up to the, you know, the light may go red on you if you keep going down this road. And then, of course, there is the red light, the stop word or stop signal. And when that is given, that doesn't mean retreat back to where you were when the yellow light came on, that is a stop. That is an all stop that slam on the brakes, play stops that instant immediately. So safe words and signals are very important tools. And people who are new to the lifestyle need to understand them. You need to practice them. If you are entering a relationship with somebody, practice your safe words with them. Dominants need to have safe words too. That may sound strange, but dominants need them because during play, something could happen where the dominant needs the submissive to realize playtime is over. Something has transpired that requires them to immediately kind of come back to the real world. There's something happening that requires full attention here. Now play is over and it could be the dominant is having, heaven forbid, a health emergency to the fact that maybe, maybe the dominant lives with roommates and the roommates were going to be gone for the weekend and they're in the middle of play in the living room and he hears their roommate's key in the lock to the house and we need to stop play in you know, kind of immediately clean up so we're not walked in on. Or maybe it's grandma coming over with cookies. And, uh, you know, having submissive Susie suspended from the ceiling might not be a good sight for grandma to see with her cookies. So you want to have a safe word to say, hey, we need to stop right now. And it can be safe words can be from I don't feel comfortable with what's happening or you're approaching a limit. And I'm going to use a safe word to, you know, something has happened that we need to concentrate on the real world. And. The other thing, as I was going to say, when you're new, especially submissives, if you feel like you should safe word, whether it's using your yellow light safe word to let your partner know they are approaching a limit that you are starting to get uncomfortable, say it, gesture it, 
Don't second guess yourself. Do it. Same with the stop safe word. The most common regret that I have heard from submissives throughout my journey in this lifestyle is, I wish I would have safe worded when. Don't ever put yourself in a situation where afterwards you look back and say, I wish I would have. Go ahead and safe word. You can always discuss things, be comfortable, and return to where you were when you safe worded and explore that again. But never, ever hesitate. If you think you should, then you should. Don't ever second guess yourself or talk yourself out of it. If you think you should, do it and do it then. And never regret it. And for submissives also, a dominant that you are either in a relationship with or just enjoying some playtime with, they should be thrilled that you did use your safe words, that you were responsible. You are a, being a responsible partner. They should not be upset that the play was interrupted. Perhaps there will be a moment of, well, that's a bummer. But more than anything, there should be the utmost respect shown to you and and to you know everyone involved when a when safe word happens it should be a respectful time not a time to be disappointed it should immediately be are you okay what's going on how can i help you know all those sorts of things should immediately come out with a safe word rather than um, disappointment and you should never fear using a safe word because you would fear disappointing somebody never ever let that be the case always Always safe word first and worry about the reactions later. And if the reaction later is not what you thought it was going to be, you didn't feel it was supportive, then that's a huge red flag. It really is. But anyway, safe word, safe word signals, so very important. Also, I have a little saying as we go into the next one, that the lifestyle is sort of like one of those all-you-can-eat Las Vegas buffets. If you've never been to Vegas and you've never experienced a Las Vegas buffet, and I should say this, I haven't been to Vegas. Um, my last trip to Vegas was in BC time. That was before COVID. Um, so at least then the buffets were huge, gargantuan, and covered just about any type of food that you could ever dream of. And in a way, the lifestyle is sort of like that big Vegas buffet. It has everything from crazy appetizers to decadent desserts. And it can be very tempting to try and experience it all in one trip to the buffet. Get it all onto one plate. And it becomes overwhelming. So no matter how amazing your partner is or your playmate, if you are newer, start slowly. Work Work on just little bits, just little bits at a time. Um, think of it as an apple, and rather than, you know, eat it in three bites, take take little bites and, and savor each little bite of the apple rather than trying to, trying to just, you know, eat it like some crazed animal because it's so amazing all in one bite. It takes time to build trust and familiarity with somebody to know instinctively where somebody's limits and boundaries are, as well as their comfort levels. So there's no rush, and it can be very tempting because it all seems so amazing to want to rush and to experience it all. Now, endeavor to not go slowly, take things little by little. 
And when play is done, check in with your partner. Even if it's just a play partner, check in with them, see how they're doing. Even if you're submissive, check in with your dominant or the dominant, you know, the top during play. Because check-ins and aftercare are so amazing. They are the best part of the play side of the lifestyle for me. Aftercare is so, so intimate. It's, it's the best part of it all is the aftercare. And I'm the dominant. I'm the one giving the care in, in my world. So for me, that is the best part. But aftercare really helps us. It, it's that afterglow. It really can be not only intimate, but it really helps build trust because you're, for a very lack of a better word, and it, I guess it could be this physically as well, but you're during aftercare that it appears for me to be a time to then I might be naked and also my soul, my brain is going to be naked and unfiltered as well, which really leads to trust and intimacy. Another thing that everyone needs to do, um, and it does help with building trust because part of consent is being able to give an educated, informed consent. So we need to continue and always be educating ourselves and researching and learning, not only so we can understand, you know, all the practices and techniques and, and very importantly, the safety measures, but we need to be educated and do our research so we can give the informed consent that is so important for it. And also remember, boundaries extend beyond play. Just because you're in a relationship and the DS dynamic is a part of your relationship's foundation and it flows through everything that you do with your partner or partners, it doesn't mean there aren't boundaries for that DS current in the everyday world. Everyone is different and everyone does draw lines differently in the boundaries outside of the, the playscape. So understand that part of the building of trust is going to be building and understanding where, where the boundaries lie if you are doing a lifestyle relationship. Where are those boundaries out in the vanilla world? What, what lines can we not cross? What lines can we approach? And also, I mentioned this before, consent has to come in advance, you cannot you cannot change or ask for consent during the middle of playtime, because playtime is a very dangerous time, if you will, to ask for extended consent, or to extend, or to push a boundary, or push a limit, because during play, it's very much like taking and drinking. It's if the play is going well, we are stimulated, the chemicals in our mind are going, and we're sort of intoxicated on those those chemicals that are coming from the playtime, which means we can give consent to things that once those chemicals fizzle away afterwards and we look back and go, oh my goodness, why did I say yes to that? We That's why boundaries and limits and the negotiation and the consent is all done beforehand. And once play starts, we stay in the box that we have negotiated and consented to. And the next time we 
engage in our fun and games is when we can talk about it, opening that box up or getting out of that box and doing something completely new because we will have the consent and negotiation process happen before the play happens. So just make sure that consent is always in advance and never, ever, ever forget safe words and practice your safe words. Even if you're single and occasionally play with a trusted friend, just practice saying your safe word out loud. Maybe while you're brushing your teeth or taking a shower or whatever, just the, it's easier to say when you said it before, because when you need to say it, if you haven't said it before, it's not that easy to say. So you do need to practice it. And yes, dominance, that applies to you. So all those things come together to really help build trust in a relationship. And I know it's quite a quite a mouthful, but, you know, the lifestyle is that late night TV infomercial, but wait, there's more. So all of the trust helps us build intimacy. And the more intimacy we have, the more we can build trust. They're hand in hand. So we'll talk a little bit about the the intimate side of the relationship and, and building intimacy there. And of course, we are going to start with that good old fashioned number one thing in the relationship, communication. We have to be able to talk regularly and and openly and and honestly and talk about things that might make us blush. They might make us seem embarrassed, which we know that communication is important for trust. And the more we communicate, the more intimacy we're building as well. And of course, as we build trust, we build intimacy. So they're they're hand in hand. So as you're building your trust, you're building your intimacy. No big, no big shocker there. And really trust building, the basic part of trust building. There obviously there's more. Obviously, we spent so much time talking about it. But the simplest way to put it is you trust but verify as you build a partnership or a friendship that involves play. You may extend some trust to the person, but you watch to make sure that they follow through and do what they said. And so much of that, especially people who are newer, I see this fairly often. It seems like the onus of trust building is put on the dominant. The dominant must be the one to, you know, live up to their word. And it goes both ways. A dominant needs to trust their submissive just as much as the submissive needs to trust the dominant. It goes hand in hand. So if submissives following through and doing what you're going to say or say doing what you said you were going to do is just as important for you as it is for your dominant partner or your dominant friend. So no matter what, the building of trust takes time and communication. Another thing that is so important to do while we're building and working to build intimacy with our trust is just to be yourself, be authentic, be you, whatever you, you know, whatever version of you, you are, just be you. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't be what somebody thinks a dominant or submissive should be. Be you. Be the person that you are, whether you are, you know, just doing some explorations, if you are identifying a submissive, switch or dominant, whatever it is, be yourself. Don't worry about all the things on the internet that say a real dom does this, a real submissive does that. Um, it's funny, I saw a website today that I, before I recorded this, I was 
kind of bombing around Instagram a little bit. And uh, a new account liked a post that I had put. So I was curious. For whatever reason, caught my eye. Clicked on it. Looked at their profile. They had a website. Went to their website. Uh, submissive. Appeared to be a submissive with, with a good deal amount of experience in the lifestyle. And on their site, they had this this test to see whether the dominant you're interested in is a fake dom or not. And I was just curious. They didn't have one to see for a dominant to see if the submissive they're interested in would be a, um, you know, not an ideal submissive. Um, like they, they they labeled the dominant as a fake dom. So it just it made me curious. You know, it made me laugh. But it does talk about the authenticity. You have to be who you are. You can't try to fake it until you make it. Um, then uh, one of the points that the submissive shared was a red flag for her are dominants who are newer to the lifestyle. Because many people who are new, and this goes across both ways to, to all roles really, will try to fake it until they make it rather than saying, I'm new. I don't have experience with that, or I don't know what that means. Can you share it? Can you tell me about it? And I have always felt that new is not a red flag, but new coupled with not saying, oh, I'm not sure what that is, or the new and trying to fake it until you make it is a red flag. If you're new, I think it speaks to your authenticity if you say, can you tell me more about that? Or can you point me in a direction to learn more about this or that? It's being authentic, it's being who you are. And authenticity breeds trust, and it also helps build intimacy. So just be you. And the right person or the right people will love you for who you are. It is That is one of life's lessons that I have learned. Uh, you know, being the, being the nerdy kid, you know, I learned how to finally just be myself rather than worrying about trying to be the person that would get invited to hang out with the cool people. Once I learned to be myself and to work on loving that self, life got a whole lot better. So be authentic, be yourself. Another part of intimacy, and it's probably not a surprise, but be empathetic. Be empathetic to your your partner or your playmate. You know, try to imagine what it's like to walk in their shoes when they're sharing their emotions or they're sharing a um, perhaps a fantasy that is that they feel uncomfortable sharing, but it's a fantasy they have. So, you know, don't forget to say things like that. Sounds challenging, or well, I'm honored that you shared that with me. That's you know. Empathy is so amazing, and so be be empathetic, and it's so very important. Also, be non-judgmental. Part of the lifestyle is we are going to run into amazing people. That they're amazing, they are awesome. However, for example, our kinks may not align. The things that I'm into might not be the things they're into. It doesn't mean they're not awesome. It just means we're not we're not jamming or vibing with our with our kinktastic sides and don't judge them for it don't judge somebody because they practice the lifestyle differently than you do it's one of those little ditties about the lifestyle i have a saying that sometimes you run into because of lifestyle we are open-minded you'll run into some of the most 
closed-minded, open-minded people you will ever meet here because they are closed off to and very judgmental about people who do things differently than they do. So it's important to check our judgment at the door. Um, leave, you know, leave the judgment for the vanilla person, Judy, judgment. Don't do it yourself. And I know one of my faults is that I can be judgmental. It, just being honest, it's something that that I have had to work on and occasionally need to give myself a refresher course on because I can judge. And I know that I shouldn't, but I do. And part of that, I will blame on the corporate world that I work in. I judge all the time. I have to conduct interviews. I have to judge. Can this person work for me? Then I have to judge. Are they a good fit for the culture? Are they, and then, you know, if they are working for me, judge them. Are they doing a good job? Uh, you know, what do they need to improve? What do I need to do to do better to lead them? So I am in a corporate culture of judgment. And so I need to, at times, kind of talk myself back down and calm that judgment side, that judgmental side down. So it's very important that when you are building trust and intimacy with your partner that you you do so and create a non-judgmental space, especially as we grow in kink, because something that will happen to everyone that explores the lifestyle and hangs out for a while, there will be things that when you first came to this lifestyle, you were like, oh, hell no, I will never, ever do that. And then as you grow in the lifestyle and you experience more and more and more, there will be at least one thing that when you first came to this lifestyle and you said, oh, hell no to, I will never, ever. All of a sudden you'll be like, well, hmm, boy, maybe with the right partner, I would explore that. And then it goes from, well, maybe the right partner to, oh, I'm now I'm curious about exploring that. So it's it will happen. Our boundaries and our limits will change as we grow in the lifestyle. It does happen. So it's very important to be non-judgmental because when we do have a long-term relationship or we're building a long-term relationship with somebody amazing, we are going to probably see some of their limits and boundaries change a bit over time as our relationship grows and their experience grows and our experience together grows. So they may share something that was on their limit list or share a fantasy that could be embarrassing if the wrong person discovered it for them because we're human and sometimes things that we like or want to experience could be considered embarrassing. So it's very important to not, not be judgmental. So it's a safe environment, a safe, trusting and intimate environment to share things like that. And it also goes without saying to maintain the confidentiality of it. And this is especially true um, if you are active in either the community online or in person. Respect the privacy of others. You know, if if your partner or prospective partner shared something that, that could be embarrassing, Keep it, keep it between the two of you. There is no need to share, I don't know, think of the lifestyle as Las Vegas, not the buffet, 
But Las Vegas in general, there's the saying, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in the lifestyle stays in the lifestyle and it stays between you and you and the in your partner or, or playmate. So maintain the confidentiality because that will really help build trust and also build emphasis in, you know, in, uh, I can't even say it. So I'm going to just refrain from saying intimacy. See, I got it out. Anyway, finally, follow through on your commitments. Yeah, just do what you're said you're going to do. And, and like I said earlier, it's not just a dominant thing, even though dominants are very judged by it, and, and rightly so. But submissives need to hold themselves to the same standards that they would expect from their from their dominant. And of course, never, ever, ever forget the aftercare when you are doing the relationship thing. If you are doing the casual play thing, um, aftercare is an item that needs to be negotiated. Many people who are newer to the lifestyle, if they decide to pursue a casual play, either relationship or perhaps a um, casual play date, or maybe even go to a lifestyle event where play happens casually there with dungeon monitors and a safe venue and a safe place, um, which is often a great place if you are curious of exploring the physical things and want to do so in a safe, as safe a manner as you can. Lifestyle events can be great for that. But aftercare, when it is casual, aftercare is a negotiation. It has to be negotiated. It's not something that you can say, I expect aftercare. We just played casually and for, you know, as friends, and we just did a little spanking scene. Unless you've discussed and negotiated aftercare, it should not be expected when you do it casually. I know that there are people out there who are going to disagree with me intensely, but the truth is on the casual side of the lifestyle, aftercare is a something that needs to be negotiated. And if you don't negotiate it, don't just expect it. So that's just a word of word of thought to think about if you are going to play casually. But if you are doing something more intimate and more relationship-based, aftercare should be mandatory. And also, through all these talk about talking and, and communication, be an active listener. And that means dominance, sit down, shut up, and listen. Dominance, we sometimes have a tendency to talk, 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 rather than listen. I can remember, I don't know, maybe it was... Once again, it was just, it was either just before COVID or just, I don't know, just after the first surge of COVID. Um, I was talking locally with a, a newer submissive and, and we met for for coffee and we talked like the next day after we shared coffee and it was just, it was just a friendship cup of coffee. It wasn't a um, preclusive, you know, a, an interest or we're going to date type coffee. It was just friends getting together for coffee they said to me, are you sure that you are a dominant? And I jokingly said, well, why do you ask? And they said, well, you listened. You actually listened to me. Because in all their other times when they interacted with with a dominant in person, the dominant was um, very domineering with the conversation. And so it was good for a laugh. But it's also a very good point that even no matter your role, you do need to be an active listener in order to build trust and build intimacy. So you need to work on your communication skills and your listening skills. 
And finally, we have two big points that I kind of saved the two big ones for last. Share your experiences with a prospective partner when you're doing the trust and intimacy building. Share the good, share the good experiences, share the bad experiences. Um, even talk about some of the things that you've done wrong, perhaps things that you wish you would have done differently. If anybody's interested and um, and you want to scroll back through some old podcasts, I did a podcast probably a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, about my mistakes in the lifestyle. Talk about them. Don't don't try to hide them or lock them away and or learn your lesson and put them in the in the closet to never see them again because you've learned your lesson. Share your experiences with your partner, even sharing the bad experiences or the, you know, and when I say bad, I'm meaning the ones that where you made a mistake, owning the, share the mistake you made and, and own it. It will build trust and it will, will fo help foster intimacy. And another final one is be vulnerable. Submissives, you know it, submissives often are the ones who open themselves up, open the vulnerability side up first. And when you do the DS dating dance. Um, experience has shown that typically it's the submissive who opens the vulnerability doors up first. But there is the myth that's out in the vanilla world that dominance never ever show vulnerability to a submissive. That they are they're like a superhero. They don't have any vulnerabilities. They don't have kryptonite. They're they're Superman without the kryptonite. And that's just not the case because we're all humans. We're all have, we all have vulnerable vulnerabilities. We all have insecurities. So it is important that we allow our partner or partners to see our vulnerabilities, to be open and transparent about them, to share your fears, share those insecurities. And even those, even your fantasies, because sometimes, like I said, our fantasies can make us insecure. So make sure you craft a safe place to do that. So finally, the last thing I will, will talk about is a little something that personally I am horrible with, and that is self-care. To do all of this, we have to take care of ourselves, right? We have to be able to be in our best state mentally and physically to enjoy the play side of the lifestyle and also to be able to be mentally there, to be emotionally vulnerable, to be able to earn trust and to give trust. We have to be able to take care of ourselves. So self-care is something that will help you on this journey. And it's important to practice self-care and not practice it by sharing a meme on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram about self-care, but actually doing it. And I think understanding that, you know, if you're good at it, share your best practices with somebody that that's one of your friends that might struggle with it. And if you are not the best at it, like I am, um, I'm thankful that I have friends who will remind me to take care of myself, you know, or friends also that understand when I, you know, when I disconnect digitally for a weekend to, to reconnect with myself, they understand what's going on. So practice your self-care because you need to practice self-care in order to be able to to do all the, the trusting and intimacy building that we need to, to to build a solid, lasting DS relationship or even just a, a friendly with benefit DS relationship. 
So all of this is going to take time. And over time, since we're all human, if you are building a relationship with somebody and you are building that, you know, you're nurturing that trust and that intimacy and almost like a farmer is tending to their crops and the the trust is coming up great and the intimacy is is really looking like it's going to be a great harvest. We're human. We're going to make mistakes. So understand that on this road to building trust and intimacy, there is going to be, we're human. We're going to make, we're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw up. Your partner's going to screw up it. So it's a never ending journey of work and dedication to your partner because we're human and we're going to make mistakes. So don't expect that like this is like some walk in the park where once you get to a certain level of trust and intimacy, you're like over the hump and it's, you know, just going to keep growing or you, you know, you found the the end of the rainbow with the, the beautiful intimacy pot and the beautiful trust pot right there for you to take. It doesn't work like that. It's a, it's a continuous work in progress. And as you work on it and as you progress, it will just enhance your relationship, allow your relationship to go to new, more amazing places and go to places that you never thought it would. And you will grow and grow in places and ways and in all sorts of things that you never, ever expected. And I don't just mean in the lifestyle. I believe that it will help you be the best, most amazing person you can while also helping you grow in the lifestyle. But just overall, investing in this with a partner or with your trusted friend or friends will just make life amazing. So thank you for listening. And I look forward to anybody who wants to share some feedback, questions, or suggestions. Also know that I am always, always open for ideas for for future episodes of Chatting with a Lightkeeper. Um, Oftentimes, the biggest struggle I have is to find that seed to plant for the next episode. So if you have have an idea or something that you would like to hear me ramble about, just scroll down and shoot me an email with your idea or say hi on any social media, just search chatting with the lightkeeper. You'll find me, shoot me a note there because I would, I would love to hear your suggestions, your thoughts, your feedbacks. Even if you don't agree with what I shared on any of my podcasts or today, as long as you share it in a friendly, positive manner, I would love to hear it because we all get better when we hear our mistakes or things that alternative points of view. I promise I won't be judgmental about it. I do truly do promise that. So I look forward to hearing from you. Please say hello wherever you are. And no matter where you are, don't forget to click that follow button so you never miss an episode. And I look forward to chatting with you next week.